CEE Central Europe Explained An IDM podcast series powered by Erste Group Episode 34 Envisioning Ukraine's Regional Future On 24th of February 2022, the Russian Federation started a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. As a global attack against peace, the momentous decision has led to major changes in the power structures we've known for the past 70 years. Shocking the entire world, this unjustified war of aggression brought back a sense of unity within the European Union. On 28th February, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky signed an official application for the EU. Fast-tracking the application was then something that has been discussed, but not within the EU institutions, but the broader public. Unfortunately, such a procedure does not exist. Facing this impossibility, questions arose among the international community and about the European and regional future of Ukraine. Welcome to CEE, Central Europe Explained. My name is Sebastian Schaeffer. I am the Managing Director of the IDM based in Vienna, coming to you from Alsagrund. Today, I am welcoming Nadia Afanasieva, Director of the Ukrainian Institute for International Politics. Hi, Nadia. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Sebastian. Great to hear you, to see you, and my congratulations to the new podcast as well. Thank you very much. Good to see you too. We will hear later on in this podcast recently published a policy paper summarizing the challenges and points to consider for a Ukrainian accession to the European Union. Especially, we stated the need of strengthening the EU's macro-regional strategies and especially the EUSDR, the European Union strategy for the Danube region. In 2022, Ukraine actually holds the presidency of the EUSDR for the first time since its creation by a non-EU member state. Due to the start of the war, the former and future presidency, Slovakia and Slovenia, have taken over the responsibilities as Ukraine is logically unable to carry out this position due to the current situation. So, Nadia, you were also involved in the organization of the EUSDR presidency. Could you briefly elaborate what the USDR is actually about and the current situation of the presidency. Uh, yes, this is a very interesting situation. Like from some points of view, this is rather tragic. For some points of view, we our perception is like a challenge of this. My organization is support team to the national coordinator of Ukraine in the European strategy for the Danube region. And uh, during the EU presidency, we are the support team to Ukrainian presidency in the USDR. For sure, uh, after starting the full uh, aggression of, of Russia on 20, uh, 24th of February, our national coordinator uh, needed to send the information to all the, all the Danube region that due to the martial law, we are not able to perform our responsibilities and our plan for the presidency. We are starting to, to be involved in, uh, in different meetings, which 
for example, in trio meetings, in some organizational meetings with the Danube Strategy Point, which is the communicational um, institution uh, for the Danube region strategy. And also we, uh, we are involved in planning of the annual forum. And this is good news that annual forum will be in 2022. We are still not able to speak about the format of the forum uh, because it definitely will be not like previous forums and not like even the forums which were online due to the COVID situation. Uh, we definitely have the full support of our Slovenian and Slovak colleagues uh, who are in TRIO presidency and we definitely need to clarify who will be responsible for what we will create a platform where we can describe, where we can discuss different kinds of possibilities and challenges. And uh, we definitely can discuss here about the possibilities which are connected with the uh, new candidate status of, of Ukraine, which we plan to receive already in June uh, 2022. If it will um, influence somehow the, our macro-regional cooperation, I think it will influence only to Ukraine uh, because uh, our cooperation will become larger and the EU partners with whom we are cooperating um, like as non-EU country will have more possibilities to receive cooperation from, from our side. This is, this is what, what, what I think. The priorities remain the same. We just understand that a very important thing is cooperation. And now we can also think about the cooperation, not within the Danube strategy, but also in the region. Uh, I'm thinking about the synergies between Danube region strategy and Baltic Sea strategy. This is rather important thing, especially if we are... Um, uh, mentioning the regional sustainable development and also if we are talking about the cooperation with the regions the probability uh, to cooperate uh, even more uh, active with the regions rises when uh, more Ukrainian regions are involved. Nadia, maybe uh, just to inform our listeners also which regions are currently participating in the USDR from the Ukrainian side, and which would be the regions of these, um, so to say, enlargement for the macro-regional strategy that you have mentioned? Um, and additionally to that, why are we arguing that this is a short-term measure better suited than the rather long-term process of Ukraine becoming a new member country? Uh, here we can say about four regions. At first, uh, these are Chernihiv region, Ivano-Frankivsk region, uh, Odessa region, and uh, Zakarpatia, Transkarpatia region. These are four regions we have in the Danube strategy already for years, like from the start of its creation. We also are now thinking about another regions, which are Lviv, Vinnytsia, Khmelnytsky. Uh, Ternopil and Kirovograd. These are regions which has the, like, if we can say, the border with the 
regions which are already directly involved in the DENOP strategy. Uh, so if we are talking about the priorities of the DENOP strategy, we can say about the ecology, which also influence the neighbor territories as well. Uh, we can say about the experience of this region, which I, which I mentioned to you, and sometimes they can offer um, better cooperations with the EU partners as well, because they already have some more experience. And if we are talking about the common approach and uh, common participation in the projects, probably it will be uh, rather useful for, for the strategy to have these regions on board. And uh, if talking about the international cooperation with this region, here we need to mention also the probability that if more regions are involved in the strategy, the, the more projects could be could be generated by the by the Ukrainian partners. And also here is uh, the case with the candidate of Ukraine. Here it plays a rather good role concerning the open of the new sources of new funds and uh, more regions could could be involved in uh, in the projects and could have the good experience in participating in these funds. I also was thinking that probably if we are talking about so many regions of Ukraine, we probably can think about the whole territory of Ukraine. doesn't matter whether these are the regions which are closer to Danube or rather far, because some of the priorities, a wide priority, which could be also... For example, Ukraine has Dnipro River together with the Danube River. And uh, if we are talking about navigation, for example, and uh, in increasing the level of navigation, the level of economic activity due to navigation, which is now very actively uh, discussed, that we can just substitute the navigation uh, ways by, by some railways and other things, if we are talking about the uh, the economic activities and some huge tracks which are like damaging the, the the road sometimes, so here we need really to discuss the possibilities. Like uh, the main thing is to wide possibilities, and we all understood that cooperation is uh, the main point of the Danube strategy as well. And in general, like in new challenges, we also can see the very uh, clear classes of the cooperation, where the cooperation was, where we have strong partners. And here we can say about the support of the Twin Cities, for example. So just as experience, I can say that Twin Cities, uh, the regions to regions uh, have a very good connection now. Uh, and it was installed before the invasion. And now they are very active in some humanitarian things, in some support of the, of the military staff and different kind of things which are not connected with the national level, some kind of arms and high level of the discussion. So um, to stress one more time, the idea behind the arguments that we are making is that the macro-regional strategy should not replace a candidacy and also ultimately, of course, not a membership in the European Union, but it's much better suited to do that on a short-term basis. Now, you have mentioned that Ukraine could actually become a candidate already in June. I hope that it will happen, but maybe it's a little bit too optimistic, given the fact that we know the reluctance of some EU member countries when it comes to other potential candidate uh, countries. Nevertheless, what would you say is already now a benefit from this 
at least potential candidate status, because since the start of the Eastern Partnership in 2009, this is the first time that it has been actually officially recognized that target countries of this Eastern Partnership are eligible to become members. Yes, uh, definitely. We can say about the possibility of faster development. To what are the criteria, different kind of political, economic criteria of the EU membership for us? We clearly understand that uh, it's rather a long way for us. We uh, are participating in the questionnaire for, from EU together with the government and uh, we perfectly can see where are the gaps for our reforms. And we can take it, for us, we can take, take it as a list of tasks, what should be done. We can say it already, and it's even like, a, like only the first step in our, in our way to the, to, the, to the membership. So we definitely do not have any kind of rose hopes that uh, it will be like in a year or in half of the year or tomorrow. Uh, but we clearly understand that we have a very good... Uh, uh, reforms which are connected, uh, which are um, serving in the di digital uh, field. We sometimes can even uh, have a, a very good uh, experience, like uh, to show best practices to our uh, to our European partners. Uh, we have a rather good uh, decentralization reform, and I think that the majority, which now the the Russian invasion uh, showed us the result of the decentralization reform, when uh, the local authorities are refusing to collaborate with the with the Russian and in, in, in invaders. Uh, practically, this is the good result of the of the decentralization reform that those people who are voted by by people not. Uh, pushed uh, there from the central authorities or some, somehow by, by the local elites uh, and they are staying there and waiting till invaders will, will come. So here, here we, we have a very good uh, opportunity and very good, uh, like uh, we can say human resources who actually uh, plays a very important role during the, during the invasion uh, on the local level. Uh, we also can say about the candidacy that this could be a rather important legal basis from uh, for our reforms because uh, I can I can give you an example if we are talking about the any kind of the documents like bureaucracy like each country has its own and the EU perfectly understands what does it mean uh, bureaucracy uh, and uh, we have rather uh, interesting things. Uh, which is connected with the different kind of uh, letters, official letters, and the uh, different kind of the documents we need to approve before the uh, financial system, what, what was installed um, due to uh, signing the agreement with the Danube Transnational Program. And we permanently, uh, when, when we were trying to do this, we permanently heard what is the legal basis of this financial system. Particularly, uh, we can we used association agreement in this case, but I definitely think that the candidacy will uh, draw us a very clear picture of where and what should be done, and uh, our institutions on all level, on national level, regional level, or local level, they already will not have any kind of questions concerning the what is the legal basis and how we need to do it. They just need to do it 
They just need to follow the criteria. They just need to, to do their work and to reach the goal that is uh, targeted by the, by the central government for the general uh, way. Mm -hmm. That is super interesting with regards to the decentralization. I think that would be a own podcast episode on itself, especially also with regards to the current development after the invasion. Um, I want to stay a little bit with the cross-border cooperation that uh, you have also mentioned, and also especially the synergies with other not only macro-regional strategies, but you've now mentioned the, the DTP, the Danube Transnational Program. There is also the Three Seas Initiative. There's a lot of initiatives. I've always criticized that there are too many initiatives with too less actually substantial output. But we also argue in our policy paper that there is actually further potential in these different strategies. And uh, I'm willing to, to change my mind with regards to, to the possibilities of, of producing output. So within all these different other strategies and initiatives in the region, could you elaborate a little bit more how you see their possibilities for a post-war recovery? Um, we hope the war will end soon, and then we need to go into the recovery. You mentioned the infrastructure, but there's much more to that, of course. Where's the possibility? What are the challenges? And what else needs to be done to make them actually more output-driven? Well, what is connected with the, with the cross-border cooperation programs, here we have a big change, which is connected with the totally uh, this disruption of, of Russian Federation and Belarus from all uh, cross-border cooperation projects. There were a lot cross-border cooperation projects uh, for, for these two countries, and we definitely understand that during... 2021, when the financial framework of this cross-border cooperation uh, programs was planned, a lot of money were planned for these cross-border cooperation projects, which are now, which now will never will never be done. And here we clearly understand that we will have some additional pluses to cross-border cooperation projects, which are now on top. Uh, I, I'm not sure that uh, this money will go only for, for Ukraine. Definitely, they will be somehow redistributed in between this uh, cross-border cooperation project. This is normal to, to increase for all countries and for all cross-border cooperation projects, the, the financial framework. But still, uh, we need to think about the priorities as well. In my opinion, I'm also rather, rather skeptical sometimes due to the CBC projects, especially when I see the so-called success project activities, and uh, they are about some cultural or ethnic festival in between two uh, villages, which are on border, like between like 30, 30 kilometers or 40 kilometers. And uh, such kind of things, yes, surely we understand that the culture is very important. Some things which are connected with the minorities, which are connected with the supporting different activities of minorities, which will live in different countries. And thus we can make like networking them and somehow introducing them into, into the overall society of these countries. Uh, but still we need to think about the economic development of these countries. And uh, now we are thinking about innovation economic development. This is a very important task for us. And we can see, again, I can just 
draw you back a little bit to the example from Russian invasion, which we are experiencing now in our country. And this is, again, this is the, the war of innovations. We can see very clear that the innovation rules, if we have more innovative some military support, if we have innovative approach in uh, volunteer work, we can win and uh, we can move faster. And this is the victory for us, for example. The same here, if we are discussing the priorities of the CBC pro projects, uh, we definitely need to think about some innovative approaches to ecology, to economic development, to sustainable development. Here again, we can think about local solutions uh, which are connected with the energy security. Uh, and this is like the main point now for, for all European Union and for Ukraine as well and for Moldova as well and for Baltic countries which are very, very much connected with the, with the Russians' energy, uh, energy resources. So... Uh, we definitely can just buy small projects, which are CBC projects. We can definitely think about the local solutions, which could uh, met the challenges of the new reality, we can say like this. Uh, if we are uh, discussing about other regional initiatives, for example, Three Seas Initiative, we have a very good sign from the Three Seas Initiative that our president, Vladimir Zelensky, will be invited to Three Seas Initiative Forum, which will be in Riga uh, in June. And we have a very clear message from, from Three Seas Initiative that they are also uh, ready to uh, increase the partnership, increase the participation of Ukraine in this initiative. And this Northeast Axis, as the Three Seas Initiative is a very important thing of cooperation, especially now when we have this phase of the aggression from the eastern part of Europe, we can say like this. Well, Nadia, thank you so much. We are approaching the end of this episode. As I said, I think we have topics that we could talk about for a couple of more episodes. But to finish off this episode, uh, we always ask our guests which piece of art or literature or music they would uh, recommend taking our reflection that we have had today a little bit further. I probably can advise the famous song, which is Hey, Hey, Rise Up, made by Pink Floyd. It's uh, together with our singer, Andriy Hlebnyuk. There is a kind of the mix of the uh, old Ukrainian song from the First World War. It's now uh, the main thing that the uh, words in Ukrainian, uh, which are in this song, are very actually now. It, it is about the invasion of Moscow directly on the song. I'm not sure that Pink Floyd used all this song because it's rather long, but the whole song, which is in Ukrainian, again, this is about Russian aggression. This is about the victory of Ukraine. This is about the freedom of Ukraine of any invaders so we definitely after the 100 years we are facing again the same problem that we faced that time and the song is again actual thank you so much i think it was a instagram post by by the singer of which is quite a famous band boombox um when he joined the territorial defense in kiev i think and uh posted a video and now uh, Pink Floyd uh, took that up and yeah, made it uh, even world famous. I think that's a very good uh, recommendation. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time 
to uh, discuss this topic uh, with us, Nadia. And um, yeah, I wish that uh, we will soon be able to uh, return to some sort of normalcy. Um, just like uh, after the pandemic, I don't think we will be able to return to the situation that we had before the invasion. For this, too much has happened and fundamentally changed. But nevertheless, I hope the war uh, ends soon and we have the chance to actually sit down um, face to face and uh, continue our cooperation. Nadia, all the best and thank you very, very much. Thank you, Sebastian, and thank you to all your team for the work. And uh, I also really hope to have the possibility to cooperate in future, already in new reality, but still, these are our challenges and we can face them very successfully. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, you will find the link to the recommended piece of music in the show notes and the description of this episode. There will also be the link to the policy paper all the recommendation and information uh, will be here and also on our social media. If you liked that episode, please subscribe to our podcast or recommend it to your friends and uh, your colleagues. Feel free to give us, as always, feedback and to share your ideas. Thank you very much for listening and until the next time. So you enjoyed this podcast? Then tune into another CEE episode and subscribe to the IDM podcast series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Acast, or elsewhere you get your podcast. And also have a look at the rest of our work on our website www.idm.at for any feedback or podcast collaboration. Feel free to contact me at e honchaberry at idm.at The email is in the description below. This was CEE, Central Europe Explained, a podcast series produced by the Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe, powered by Group, with the ongoing participation of Daniela Paiden, Malvin Atalik, Daniel Martinek and Sebastian Schaeffer. Production and editing, Emma Hunterberry. Proofreading, Jack Gill. IDM Podcast. Institut für den Donauraum und Mitteleuropa. Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe. European Perspectives. Regional Actions. Cooperation and expertise since 1953.